0: Regressive Rugby League.
1: Besides the query, how big is Big Al in real life? The question that I, John Duncan, get asked most often is, what's the latest with Toulouse Olympique? And I invariably answer, I've got no idea. Through experience, I've found this to be an unsatisfactory answer for those posing the question. Facial expressions inevitably turn sour, and I'm soon left talking to my shadow once more. Which signals to me that it's about time we checked in again on our favourite club from French, no screw it, World Rugby League. A club that warmly welcomed us in 2019 when Big Al and I visited the south of France. A club that prioritises playing a beautiful game that makes the ball sing and we fans swoon. And a club full of, well, thoroughly decent humans on and off the field. And I'm glad to say two said humans have been kind enough to join me today. Mark Carella and Jono Ford have become Toulouse Olympic stalwarts over the past few years as the club has charted its path towards the beautifully romantic and thrilling goal of Super League promotion. Mark, a classy fullback who combines boundless energy with an uncanny ability to break a defensive line, and Jono, a creative force who orchestrates the entertainment from 58 while exuding zen-like calm, bring the thrills, but also bring their fair share of W's too. What's the latest with Toulouse Olympique in 2020? More broadly, what's life like for an Aussie plying his rugby league trade in France? Well, Mark and Jono have kindly taken the time to join us from downtown Toulouse to give us some clues. Mark Jono, Jono Mark, welcome to the Progressive Rugby League podcast. Cheers, mate. mate. Good to have you on. Now, how has lockdown been for you guys? You've had a hell of a lot of time off now, longer than most off-seasons. Mark, how's it been for you?
0: Yeah, not too bad. It was a little bit of a shock in the beginning. didn't really know what to do, but... Thankfully, we had a bit of good weather, so just sort of spent the time in the backyard with the dog.
1: Yeah, and John, how about yourself?
0: I sort of just took it day by
2: day to start with, to be fair. I had no idea. We don't really have the TV on much at our house or the news or anything, so it was literally as we'd get a message from the club to say where and when, coming back so it was just day by day and i've you know just turned into what, 100 plus days now so yeah
1: <laughs> so yeah. It was a bit
2: challenging at the start we couldn't leave like we couldn't go further than a kilometer from our house mm-hmm. and especially when you have kids so i got two two little ones uh, that was
1: a bit tough because yeah. they just didn't understand they couldn't go to a park or anything because all the parks will shut down and wow. yeah so
2: it was a bit challenging but yeah it was all right here we are now we've made <laughs> it through the, the toughest part i think
1: hopefully. yeah did you ever consider coming back to oz to see it through
2: no, nah, nah, not at all. We didn't really want to put the kids through the flight. And then it was just the stress of everything that was going on. We didn't want to put the kids through that sort of stress in the in the airports and, and all that sort of thing. It was a very stressful time for a lot of people. We weren't too worried about it, personally. Mm-hmm. We were just sort of in our own little bubble, just taking care of ourselves. Yeah. But we didn't want that stress or the stress of the flight and everyone around them to affect them. So we just, just chilled here. And it's lucky I live literally underneath killer mark sorry yeah killer yeah. and so we just you know we're not too far away from each other so it was it made it a bit easier
1: cool well living close to someone with a nickname like killer that's that's a good thing in a global pandemic so well done <laughs> <laughs> now mark i'll go to you on this one how have you kept your motivation up during the lockdown with all the uncertainty i
0: think what- Porto just touched on about us being in the same residence. It has allowed us to like, motivate each other, keep each other accountable. We didn't do much the first week, just to sort of get the feet underneath us and figure out what's going on. And then in the second week, we just started training again. We got a nice patch of grass in our residence, so we were able to sort of kick the footy in that around. And we a bit, took a bit of initiative and went and got some stuff from the gym. Our conditioning allowed us to go get some stuff. Oh, yeah. It was just going to sit there anyway. But yeah, the bonus of having Fordo... My residents kept the motivation high, and we had a footy on hand, so, I mean, that's what we both love to do, and I think get us away from being inside with the families all day.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: made it a lot easier.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask who kept the motivation up, better Jono or Mark, but it sounds like family is a good motivation to get out and about. <laughs> no, yeah,
0: it was both of us. I mean, that's our job. We love playing footy in that, so... I mean, that's all it was, was just, we just had to keep going, and it gave us something to do. The grateful thing about having both of us do it together was just, like, it was too easy to not do it.
1: Mm, Yeah. Now, Jono, to you on this one, has the COVID break made you reconsider your relationship with rugby league? Has it given you a new appreciation that you want to play for longer, or has it made you start thinking of what your life might be like after footy?
2: Yeah, a bit of both, I think. I sort of just thought deeply about everything, really. So, life footy where i sit in between all those different things and it just made me think deeply about the game actually like we started like me and killer we were probably chatting footy just standard footy for a bit and then we and our conversations got deeper with footy and how we see the game and how we're thinking about the game and then our conversations went to our life and where we're going with our life and and everything so it was like our conversations changed as the weeks turned into months yeah into sort of what you know, it's like
1: a quarter of a year now, so yeah. Well, I think it's probably reflective of a lot of people just having a lot of deep conversations when you're locked down, so yeah, that's that's really interesting. Now, let's talk about the 2020 season. Toulouse have had to play second fiddle somewhat to Toronto over the past couple of years, but this was meant to be the year that you guys could take the mantle of the top gun of the championship. And five from five to start the season was a good start. Mark, what's the latest that you guys have been told about the status of the current championship season?
0: Good question. (laughs) <laughs> we had a club meeting about three, four weeks ago, just you know, giving us the rundown that we're obviously waiting for the decision from the RFL. We actually just got an email today saying the RFL is having a meeting next Monday, mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll have a decision of whether or not the comp's going to restart or not. It's a bit of a mixed bag at the moment over here. Few feel the boys not too confident it's going to start again, but mm-hmm. like I said, there's a few other boys who they really think it'll have to. Otherwise, God knows what will happen to the competition if the whole year's canned.
1: Mm. And are you guys comfortable playing again from a health perspective, Jono? Yeah, yeah,
2: hundred yeah. percent. I'm feeling probably the best I've felt in a long time. I signed up some different stuff for different training, yeah. online training. You now, strength and conditioner out of minus. He's done some big things with the Real Movement Project, and he's got a different things going on there.
1: So mm-hmm. he's really looked after us and looking to bulletproof our body, pretty much. So yeah, and health
2: perspective, I'm not too worried. Like I trust my immune system, and I've been you know healthy for quite a long time, and made some good life decisions okay. around my health. So that sort of doesn't scare me at all.
1: Now tell me, you know, th- there is a chance that the championship season will be called off. Uh, Super leagues back, but even if championship comes back, there's talk that it might not be promotion to Super League and relegation and promotion might be cancelled. What would you do if that was to be the case or if the season was cancelled? Would you take time away from the game or would you seek out a short-term contract somewhere else? Uh, Jono? I don't know if we'd be
2: allowed to get a a short-term contract or how that would sit, but
1: say season was canned, I'd just keep training, sort my body out, just keep
2: kicking away and just improve my mobility my strength mm. study the game a bit more and then come in to the next sort the of season pretty much the best sort of shape, mentally physically emotionally spiritually that i've been in for probably the longest time i've been a professional athlete so
1: yeah
2: i'm looking at it as a blessing either way whichever way it goes like if like i know like myself and killer we've been trained and so if, if a game was to be played next week i'd have all the confidence in killer that he's ready to go and i have all the confidence in myself that we're ready to go next week so yeah we're ready no matter what
1: Yeah, fair enough. And Mark, what's your mindset like? Obviously, you're raring to go to get promotion to Super League. What would that do to your mindset if the championship was cancelled?
0: Oh, like John and I are very similar. You just adapt, Yeah, like you were saying before. I mean, we have no control of that really. So, whenever the decision is made, in all fairness, we just want the decision to be made and then... You figure it out from there because then it's easier from there, isn't it? But when you're just sitting in Mimbo, it's a bit complicated. Mm. But um, for me, I have options for both sides. So obviously, if the season keeps going, then I'll go back to training. But if not, then my partner and I will look to go do a bit of traveling or something. But yeah, it's just about adapting.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Now, you guys spoke about how you've been talking deep on rugby league. I imagine you've seen a bit of NRL action over the last few weeks. Would you like to see the six again rule come into the Northern Hemisphere game? John, I'll go to you on this one.
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, you mean the one where it just keeps ticking over, where if there's a penalty, it's just play on?
1: Yeah, so for ruck infringements, they yeah, go yeah, six yeah. again.
2: so. There's people who sort of play eyes up footy. That takes a lot of the robots out of the game. You've got to start watching the ball, being on the ball, pushing, you know, analysing where everyone is, counting numbers. There's a lot of things going into it, but yeah, I'd love to see it come in
0: out yeah, i think for me it'd just be fantastic because i feel like it's brought into the nippy fellas you know mm. the ones with a bit of footwork because you get two repeat sets of six against the big boys like we're just going to cause havoc and you see it at like tedesco and that's just absolutely
1: destroying it yeah that's right it sounds like it's it's made for toulouse Peak, which is good news for you guys so hopefully it comes in now more broadly guys i'm curious about how the career of a footy player compares to a white collar worker like me how does a Sydney Rugby League player end up in France? Do the offers come to you or do you put out the feelers looking for something different? Is there a rugby league players looking to travel notice board that you can sign up to? Jono.
2: It goes a bit of both ways. You have some players who are sourcing out, trying to find a way to get over here Then, for me personally I was on the fringe of NRL and I had an offer through another player who was over here, Blake Lazarus, mm. that I played with at Newtown. He was playing at Avignon and he said, Oh, there's a team looking for a half and I was like, Oh, yeah, why not? Mm. And I just I came over on a whim, something, I packed my bags, I was over in two weeks. For me it just flowed in Then I was like Oh I'll go back after this period of time I'll go back after the World Cup In what I think it was 2013 And then one thing led to another And then we ended up in Championship And then we were pushing for Super League And all these things just kept flowing But back to the question Yeah it goes both ways Like we have people contacting us And then we try and help them If we know they're good for it And come over over here to play That's how sort of killer got over here We were all looking for a halfback Oh a fullback I was like oh killer Keen And he was like yeah sweet
1: (laughs) Fair enough. Now, I've never been to a country where I can't speak the language for more than a few weeks at a time, let alone lived in the place. I'd like to think I'd approach it positively, but I imagine in reality it'd be a real test for my confidence and my whole mentality. Uh, How did you find it at first, Mark? Oh,
0: Incredibly difficult, (laughs) (laughs) to be honest. I think for the first six months I was just eating Subway because (laughs) I didn't have to say anything. I was just pointing. I learned how to say like that, which is like uh. And yeah, the lady got to a point, I think after about six, eight weeks of going in there two, three times a day, The lady just goes, like, she just goes, same? And I said, yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is a
1: test for the confidence, though, isn't
0: it? Oh, it's incredibly humbling. (laughs) Looking back on it now, it's really funny because you come into it as a baby. You Mm. know, like, you've got zero idea. Like, I did a little bit at school, and I think I knew how to say my name, but... (laughs) It's very rare you actually use that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, I was real fortunate, though, with the boys that were here. I think when I first came, we had eight Aussies or something like that. So we had a little crew of English speakers. And at that time as well, there was a large Aussie influence in the French Rugby League. Mm -hmm. I think every team had four or five blokes. Mm. So we had a little crew going, but... And you'd
2: interact with them too. You'd cross paths like you know. If we went somewhere, we'd bump into them after a game. Have a chat with them.
1: Yeah, yeah, right.
2: A couple of beers. When you obviously, I'm not the same drinker that I was when I was younger. I don't drink much now, but yeah. uh, a couple of beers sort of does, you know, loosen you up a bit so you have that little bit of confidence.
1: Yeah, right. So you can go from Subway to, I don't know, KFC or something. Graduate. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Now, Jono, when you joined Toulouse-Limpeak, when you both joined Toulouse-Limpeak, they were playing in the French Championship, the Elite One. What kind of reception do Australian players get from French players when they arrive? Are you treated with reverence or do they try to stick it to you to try to prove a point? After all, they're a a proud rugby league community.
2: Uh, Yeah, they stick it to you a bit you've got a bit of a, a point to prove i guess but the best i think the best thing that i found was if you just rip in and give a hundred percent like you just go hard and you turn up and you have a crack and you're not here for a holiday yeah you gain a lot of respect that way you do see some blokes come over and they're here for a holiday and they're like oh i just want to travel and but it's a good place to play some footy and whatnot and that doesn't sit well with some
1: people right yeah but i guess it's like with anything if you go to any place you just rip in have a crack and it, it makes it a lot easier but you definitely uh definitely do get targeted and little bit extra
2: and you do have a bit more extra sort of responsibility to an expectation Mm. but I think that's sort of part and parcel with what you've come over to do if if you respect what you want to do and what you want to be as a player and as a bloke
1: yeah and I suppose Mark you know putting in that effort and going 100% is a way of showing respect to the club that's putting you up and also the the French Rugby League community.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, they've taken the chance on you and brought you all the way over halfway across the world and, like you said, put you up. I mean, if you don't give 100%, then you end up falling away. That's why the people who stay there for a long time or for a few years is because they've been asked to come back, you know? And that only comes from giving 100% for every game.
1: Yeah. Now, Mark, you've played some big games in France, including Elite One Championship Finals and Lord Derby Cup Finals. Can you give our Australian listeners a sense of what a grand final day is like in the south of France?
0: Oh, it was incredible, to be fair. Yeah? (laughs) The Derby Cup was at in Papillon. That was yeah. with Perpignan, wasn't it? Yeah, we got to play at the stadium down in Perpignan against Lesnang. Yeah. And we had a cracking game. That was one of my favourite games of all time. To mm. scored my 30-odd I, was, was, I scored points. I scored a, a shitload of points <laughs> like, But that was just mad. Like, we had a big crowd going at the stadium. Yeah.
1: The other one was against
0: Carcassonne. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was like, Carcassonne was always a battle. So it was a proper grind. The good thing about the French supporters is they're very vocal and they bring instruments.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So the, for the whole game, you you just hearing whistles and drums and trumpets and stuff, and it's good because it still keeps that, like, old-school sort of park footy type of styles where, Mm -hmm. like, the kids are running around, and you you see a couple of kids kicking the footy around on the side and stuff, and people got banners and that, and they were two really good days. Good weather, too. When we are playing French comp, it was coming into spring, almost middle of spring, so... It was beautiful weather and they were incredible days.
1: That's really interesting because, yeah, I met you guys last year when Big Al and I visited the Toulouse Olympic Club and we also watched the game when you guys played against Sheffield and we'd only seen footage of your games with the audio jungle soundtrack over the top so we didn't actually hear any of the atmosphere. So it was great to be within the crowd and hear the music and all that sort of stuff. It must be fun to play in front of, Jono.
2: Yeah, no, it is good fun. At times it gets really loud, you know, when the band's in full force Yeah, and you try and sort of get things organised. But, no, it is, it is good fun to hear the music and every now and then you just take a little peek and have a listen and it just sort of breaks the, the rhythm of the game. If you've got to scramble or something, you're just like, oh, this is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Now, Jono, can you give our Australian listeners an idea of which French club has the craziest, most passionate fan base? <sighs> oh, it's oh, a, tough no. that is a tough one.
2: It is tough one. That's a good question. I remember when we would go through Lezagnon and you'd walk down this cement tunnel Hmm. And you'd have like, people sitting on the fence of this tunnel, sort of just looking, peering down on you, and, and whatnot. <laughs> that was pretty intense. Yeah. So I think sometimes they were like sitting on the fence from not even in the stadium. You know, they were just sitting over the top. But every every team's got their different supporters. Like, especially if you catch a, um, there's a Lemur Carcassonne game, if you ever got to go to one of those. Hell yeah. If you come back, they're pretty good when you get the derby going because it's really close. so as so away. So everyone's got their, like, I think all French fans are very fanatical yeah they love their team passionately and i just would love to see more and more get amongst it
1: mm. now it's one thing to give it a go and there's another thing to make it your home what is it about toulouse and the south of france that has made you want to stay mark
0: Lifestyle's a big thing for me i came over thinking i'd be done after a year uh, you know i was like oh, i'll go do a bit of traveling and then i'll just see what happens after that i was only in early 20s then too so mm. And it just happened that every year I was able to go, like, play year. Then I was able to go do a bit of traveling. Then I'd go home and just keep that on repetition. And I just really enjoyed it, I mean, especially in my early 20s. It was the first... <laughs> first few years were just an awesome experience yeah but toulouse in itself like the town's really good there's plenty of things to do in the center plenty of things to do outside like i'm really fanatical about me golf and i like toulouse how you can get a real good mixture of like not city but like a big town Mm. and countryside there's a really good balance there and What's really kept me is the people. The people I have around me here in Toulouse are the ones that really keep me going every year. Like you, you touched on in the intro, there's some really good people, especially around the club.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what about you, Jono?
2: Yeah, same sort of thing. I just, actually, the big thing is the weather. The climate's very similar to, to Oz, mm-hmm. so it's not that much of a, a shock to the system. Say, if you move like an Aussie over to England, you see a lot of, like, there, sort of battle. Yeah. So you do, you get a lot of sun. You know, vitamin D is always good for you. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the people, I mean, there's some really good people that I'm surrounded with. Like Killer said, like, that was a, a big thing that made me go, I, I like this, just the people I surround myself with and who have influence over my life. I'm really grateful for those sort of people, and I want to be, when you're around good people, you want to be around them more often.
1: Mm.
2: That was a big key for me. We had a good crew of players, good crew of coaching staff, and the style And the style. The style of footy we played, too, was really sick.
1: A lot of things just sort of fell into place. Yeah. Well, yeah. Tell us about one of those people, Sylvain Hule, the coach. We've spoken to him a couple of times on the show and even visited his farm for our audio scrapbook last year. What kind of coach is he? What kind of person is he, Jono?
2: He was nicknamed when we came, but we just call him Farmer. Uh, I've got him saved in my phone as Farmer. That's the going nickname for pretty much everyone for him now. Right. So that's pretty much it. Like, he's just hardworking, still works in the morning, then makes his way down to us and then, you know, puts up with all of us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and what we throw at him is it can be a bit tough looking after a bunch of blokes like us. <laughs> but yeah, he's just hardworking, good bloke, and I played with him. I was fortunate enough to play with him and our trainer, Adzi.
1: Adam Monster, Minus, right?
2: Yeah, Adam Innes. You know, I got to know him as a player, and then as a coach. He went away for a year after he retired, then he came back. But yeah, he's just good bloke and loves his footy. And we can sit around and chat footy for hours, me, myself, Killer, and Adzi. We'll just chat footy all day, which is handy.
1: And Mark, it sounds like he gives you a bit of buy-in on the style of play.
0: Yeah, because he started off as a rookie coach a few years ago. I mean, Farmer's really good at doing the little things. I didn't actually get a chance to play with him, but that's what I was told was in the game. He was the one that was, you know, making those cover tackles, diving on balls and stuff, you know, and I think yeah. he's carried that over into his coaching style and he's, he's a real good people manager we like the personality he has he's really good at like talking to different people and mm-hmm. how they need to be spoken to and for me he figured out early that I like to have input mm-hmm. and he's given me the reins to do that sorts of things and he's challenged me to improve as a player but given me more responsibility and stuff to figure out my own game and how I can help the team and lift the team that's what I find about Farmer is he does that really well is he, he knows how to push your buttons to get the best out of you
1: mm. now, now, when we met Sylvan, he seduced us by saying that he doesn't really take notice of completion rates, and we were just, you know, in awe of that because we like to see people chuck it around. John, is that true? He doesn't take any notice of completion rates. He just wants you to concentrate on how you're going to score points and get ahead.
2: Yeah, I think he just sort of he understands that the way we play that at times that's going to be a byproduct. Mm. Like if you're if you're pushing the envelope at times, and that's on us as a club and as the way we the style of footy we want to play as a team, mm. we've got to figure out that we can sort of take care of those completion rates with the way we play, like if we're further away from the green zone of where we want to, you know, putting on more plays, we mm. throw the ball a bit earlier. We still want to move the ball around. We don't want to just take one out type of footy. But yeah, he. Understands that that's part of, you know. The style. But as far as the footy round, there's going to be errors because there's obviously more passes being thrown. Mm. But then on us, we've got to take the responsibility as a a team to, you know, improve
1: our skills and improve our decision-making, improve our footy IQ to
2: understand what sort of footy we do play Mm. and how we sort of, you know, execute those plays. You know, he doesn't want us to not play. We've got to, as a team, figure out and keep working on how we
1: can better understand the game and how we can play footy while minimising the risk. That's very interesting. Now, you've both tasted sweet Rugby League World Cup action in the past. John o you for the Cook Islands in 2013. Mark, you for France in 2017. Do you have the Rugby League World Cup 2021 on the horizon, Mark?
0: To be honest, no, not really. I didn't even have the, the 2017 World Cup on the horizon, to be fair. Okay. <laughs> like, I love playing footy, so if I get an opportunity to play in the Cup, then I'll definitely take it. I just sort of play it day by day, and if it comes, then I'll take it with both hands. mm
1: Mark, the first time I actually saw you play was in the 2017 World Cup. I was in a pub in St. Peter's, not far from where you grew up, I reckon. They had the Australia versus France game on the background. No sound. I was having dinner with my girlfriend. So, you know, what that's like you're trying to hold a coherent conversation while trying to keep proper tabs on the rugby league. But anyway, my facade, my facade of concentrating on our conversation flew out the window when the French fullback made a break from the backfield and sprinted through the Aussie defence to score a length of the field try. That French fullback was you. Uh, length of the field try against Australia in a World Cup. It's not bad. How did that feel?
0: Uh, yeah, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, I've said it a million times. It was it was all a dream, really. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to say because it all happened so quickly. It all just ended up like, like a blur, you know? It ended up being like tunnel vision. I just... Seen the post and I just just ran for it as fast as I could <laughs> but uh, you know looking back and seeing the replay and stuff I mean it was definitely an incredible moment that's for sure
1: yeah well I, I was very impressed my girlfriend not so much to be honest but um, yeah. <laughs>
0: she had her back towards the TV
1: yeah exactly <laughs> Jono I what, what...
0: Rookie, rookie era. Genius. Like, nah, that's how you want to do it. No, it? Depends
2: which one you want to do. If
1: <laughs> you not just i in the doghouse. <laughs> yeah. John, what about you? 2021 World Cup, the Cook Islands have qualified. Is it on your horizon?
2: Yeah, it's always in the back of my mind. I love representing my heritage and my family, my people, where I've come from. So, yeah, it's always in the back of my mind. I love the Cook Islands and I love just everything about it and my heritage. So, yeah, not, it's not at the forefront because I don't know you know what's going on with anything yeah but it's
1: always there and it always sort of it's always burning inside me fabulous now Jono besides the obvious like winning games what are you trying to get out of an 80 minutes of rugby league obviously winning is front and center but watching you play I feel like the quest for satisfaction goes far beyond winning it seems to me there's like a creativity itch that you're looking to scratch am I am I reading too much into it
2: uh yeah no, no that's, that's about right. I was just sitting here looking at the window, just pondering, like, that question is a good question. So I was just like, it's already thrown me deep into what I'm sort of thinking. And okay. Yeah, I'm always trying or scheming or thinking about what I've done, how I can do it better. But yeah, I am sort of looking at defence and trying to read them and figuring out you know, where we can throw in a little play here to best utilise or over to work someone out or... Mm. But yeah, I, I, my mind is always ticking. It's actually just ticking right now. Like, I'm trying to think and <laughs> sort of seeing I'm thinking of the footy field and everything. So yeah, I'm definitely... It is an itch that I'm like, I don't want to just rest on a game of footy where we just got through. You know, we just
1: passed the footy. We made one out footy and we yep. got tackled and we, you know, played
2: the ball and then we just kicked to the corner for mm. no reason. I'm not saying kicking the corner for it, but there has to be a reason yeah. for me. There's always got to be a why. The way we're playing, there's got to
1: be a why, and then answering that why. That's what I'm chasing, that why. That's a great answer. I mean, one of the pillars of Progressive Rugby League on our show is life is short, chuck it around. So I think <laughs> you live in, you live by that, which is great.
2: Yeah, that's it. I don't want to get caught just throwing it around because you see that with us, with the way we play. That's the thing. A lot of people go, Oh, you just love to throw the footy around. But for me, it's a lot deeper. Like, I'm thinking a lot deeper of, you know, where, you know, certain players are, Mm. what sort of the spaces are looking like, what sort of players I have around me. And then I'm thinking, How can we make something special out, out of this moment with what we've got in front of us instead of just going, All right, let's hopefully just barge over the trial line eventually. Yeah, so yeah. And it for me, it's pretty boring. Like, I grew up playing touch footy and, you know, mucking around out the backyard with a heap of me mates. Yeah. And that's why, I, you know, I love playing footy mm. for those reasons. I don't love playing footy just to take five hit ups and to kick it, it doesn't sit right with me yeah. personally.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Now, Mark, for those of us who have never experienced playing footy at any level whatsoever and certainly have never played in front of any audience to speak of, what is the feeling like when a play comes off? Can you step us through what it feels like? when you throw a cut-out ball that hits the spot or a short ball that has your second row bursting through a yawning gap and over the try line? What are you feeling in your bones at that point?
0: Oh, just joy. Mm. You know, like when you've been doing something for so long and like especially if you've been practicing something all week and then it comes off, it's like a real good combination between like joy and pride because you've achieved something, you know, like you took the time to put in the work and then you've got the results at the end of it. Like, I'm a goal kicker, and mm-hmm. now when I kick the ball and I hit it sweet, I don't even have to look at where it's going. Right. Know, it, I just know that it's, I'm like, oh, I got that. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, yep, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> and it's the same with the passing and stuff. Like, one of my go to's is to get to sort of the second defender from the ruck, so we call it the B defender. Mm. And I've got a little double pump, and I like to put my back roller through. When I see that the back B defender sits and I get to him, and I'd do that little flick pass to just just sort of lift the ball up, you know, and then the back yeah. row
1: hits
0: on it. Oh, it. just it's, <laughs> it's, it's just euphoric.
1: Like, it's it's just joy, just pure yeah. joy. Uh, Jono, I grew up watching the, the Cliff Lions-Steve Menzies combination in full flight, and I always wondered, who should get most credit, the guy who throws the pass or the guy who hits the hole? Obviously, it's roughly 50-50, but is it 51-49 one way or another?
2: Um, no, I wouldn't say that because... It's both of us yep. you know, with a back rower. Like, you need a good back rower, but he needs to trust you mm-hmm. as, as a half. He need, I need my back rower to trust me, so I'm not giving him hospital balls. Yeah. So he's got to trust me, and then I have to trust him to hit the hole. So I'll sit on the fence and say, yeah, 50-50. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Sorry, mate. mate. Boring. <laughs> I, can't, I honestly can't, I can't take all the recognition, because they're the ones running through it. But, yeah, it's a good feeling when you got them combos he's working for you and I'm working for him yeah that's a that's good feeling
1: yeah well if it's 50 50 it's 50 50 beautiful mark we've been watching from afar for the last few years on your quest to play in the super league and year by year you're getting closer and closer what would it mean to you and the club everything
0: mm. it' just be everything this has been a project for four years five years mm. we've worked hard you know like it's just every year we' seen it no, it's a little bit closer, and then at the end, just seem to fall a little bit short. Yeah, so like I was talking about before, about putting in the work, we want to see the result. Mm. You know, especially like Jono and I have been here for so long now. I think in order to achieve that goal, will be something we'll look back on in 20, 30 years' time and just and just be really, really proud of.
1: Yeah. Jono, what about you, mate?
0: It is a big it's a big deal for for the club and for
2: for me personally. It's mm. sort of something you know I've invested my time and energy in. We could have left numerous times to do other things, like everyone could have, like a lot of people in the club could have left, but we've all sort of stuck it out. So now it's sort of something that it drives me, but it it doesn't control me. Yeah, because I've it's been a bit of a process. What four or five years, like Killer was saying, but it doesn't drive me to. What driving me is that we have failed. But mm-hmm. we're growing, mm-hmm. so we've got better each year. We've improved. It's made me grow as a bloke, as a dad, as a father, as a mate, and as a person. So yeah, it is a big deal. But it's it's everything that goes along with it because there's a lot of failures that are coming through it. Probably, I think if we jumped and made it first year, we would have been like, "Wow, how good's that?" You know, looking back, we wouldn't have been prepared. Mm. we wouldn't have been prepared and we, you know, we may have slid straight out and then that would have been it. So yeah. I'm enjoying the process of where we're at, how we're going, and I want to see it through. So it's the growth yeah. for myself and for the club that I'm really enjoying.
1: Yeah. Now, we're almost at the end. So one more question, though. I suppose as a kid playing rugby league, you're thinking, gee, if I can make a career out of this game, fabulous. And I guess you don't look too far beyond that. But of course, when a player's career winds down, their life is really only beginning. On reflection, what skills does rugby league give you that you think can hold you in good stead for the next chapter of your life whenever that comes? Uh, Jono?
2: I think just being in a team environment, understanding people, and then also the work ethic. You've You've got to keep turning up. And then I don't think there's many other... There's, you know, there's, there's a profession where you're also critiqued weekly. Mm. You might have your half yearly reviews and stuff, but we're like critiqued weekly. And we're working in front of a, a crowd of people critiquing us. <laughs> it could be daunting, but I think it, it builds a bit of resilience. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of resilience, I think, from being a footy player. You you know you get beat up, you get knocked around. But also mentally, when you have those injuries and stuff, to keep turning up. I think resilience is probably one of the biggest things. Working in a team environment, the resilience that you have to just keep turning up no matter what is two big takeaways for me.
0: Yeah. And how about you, Mark? Yeah. Obviously, the resilience thing's pretty large. Like, keep coming in day after day, being able to handle pressure, being able to handle criticism knowing that there's just going to be some days you have to roll up the sleeves and, and just dig in.
1: I suppose also yeah, being, giving constructive criticism as well is, is a skill that's quite useful. I suppose you have to do that in a rugby league environment.
0: Yeah, so build, obviously you build leadership. You learn to sort of like build on your responsibilities. Mm. You know, like Obviously, the older you get, the more you're more looked at towards as a, as a leader type person. So being able to influence younger people, I mean, there's a whole list of things. And then also, too, like, self-development. life water saying, like, critiquing, like, not only being critiqued by other people, but critiquing yourself. So, mm. I suppose, taking that into work later on down the track, being able to review or be like, oh, look, like, I could have done that better. I should have done this like this, you know? Those are a few things that I think you could take in after half the rugby league. The other thing you could take is also knowing if you're
2: willing to have a crack this hard at something that you love, like playing footy for us, we just play to our, you know, our bodies give out type mm. thing or two we go, yeah, that's enough, you know. But you got to, like, have that drive for whatever you're doing and find that sort of something special. Like, for, for me to do something that I love for so long, it's hard for me to go do anything else that I don't love, which is, I think, a key thing, you know, to take into your next chapter of life. Don't mm. just go sit in the office if that's not a thing you love. Yeah. Do what you love and then, you know, you'll enjoy every day yeah type thing
1: well on that i know we're running out of time but do you have an idea of what you want to do next hopefully it's a long way away (laughs) zero
0: (laughs) no i'm currently in the midst of like building a little bit of something on the side to carry on after rugby league i also have a few certificates as like a personal trainer and stuff but for like what i was saying about finding what i love to do after Rugby League, I've got
1: zero idea. What about you, John? Are you building something, a little something on the side, as Mark says?
2: I believe I'll be a coach. Okay. Well, I know that's where my, at this point, is where I'm being
1: called towards and may change. Things always change. But I, I really do enjoy footing,
2: but I enjoy the the X's and O's of footy and I enjoy the sort of getting everyone together and making everyone be better with footy so I'd, I'd love to be in coaching in one way or the other or in development of the game of rugby league I think mm. it'd be a pretty cool thing to do just making the game grow because it's served me so well and it's, it's given me so much so mm. I'd like to do something where I'm continuing to do that but with a younger generation other than that no not really yeah I'm doing, I'm doing a bit of permaculture at the moment. If that's, oh, wow. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm studying in permaculture.
1: Can you remind me what that is?
2: I think permanent agriculture. Oh, okay. every, like, yeah, it's like a food forest where everything works in unison, not just planting food and
1: then having to keep watering it and doing all the things to it. Oh, but the right you know. combination of uh, crops. The right and, combination yeah. of
2: different plants, different foods, cool. planted and all working together. So, yeah, pretty much a food forest where... It'll create higher yields of, you know, fruit and veggies for my family and something of like that. So cool. I could see myself going in that direction too.
1: Right. Well, whichever way <laughs> you go. Big
2: hippie. <laughs> I called <bought> the farmer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. Great. Well, guys, I've taken up more than enough of your time. Thank you so much for taking the time out and giving your fans back in Australia some insight into what life is like as a rugby league playing global citizen in the southwest of France. Mark Corella, Jono Ford, all the best for whatever comes next. And thanks for joining the Progressive Rugby League podcast. Sweet as.
2: Thanks, Jono. Appreciate thanks. it. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Grateful.
1: Progressive rugby league. Okay, that'll do us for another day and another night. Thanks as always for listening and for well being you. You can catch us on Twitter at prog rugby league or on email progressive rl at outlook.com. Until our paths next intersect, allow me to say rugby league hobby and see ya.